You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Life Devotions. Thank you for joining me today. The life he gives is the title of this devotion. I know that for those of you that watch these devotions more often, that you may hear me speak about this quite often. But it's so important we hear this constantly. You know, the Apostle Paul says it is not, or Peter actually says this, it is, I will um, always provide you a reminder, Peter says, to stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. And that's what he said in his, sent his letters. And the Apostle Paul says, it is not hard for me to repeat the same thing to you, but it is needful for you to hear it. You know, it is um, spiritually remembering, right? Spiritually remembering is like eating and getting hungry. You eat and the feelings that we would now understand means hunger or thirst disappear. But then after a little while, (coughs) excuse me, those feelings come back. And that's a description of what it means to spiritually forget that if you're not constantly fed with the life of the Son of God, then you begin to forget what that life is like and what does the forgetting look like. You begin to feel earthly. You begin to become self-conscious. You begin to become world-conscious. That is actually a progression. At first, you begin to not be conscious of the Father's presence. Second, you become self-conscious. Thirdly, you become world-conscious. Fourthly, you become antagonistic to the Father. In other words, you become a mocker of Him. I say, I know these people pray all the time. They go to church all the time. But yeah, it doesn't do anything for me. And you become a scorner. You know, understand? So that's the progression of spiritually forgetting and spiritually being hungry. So it's important that we don't allow ourselves to progress to such a place that we would disdain and, and disregard so great a salvation and become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin and embrace an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, which the he- book of Hebrew warns us against. It's so important that we keep a tender heart by being constantly fed by the life of the Son of God, by remembering the life that He gives. Jesus said in John 6, 57, He who feeds on me will live because of me. You have to have that constant coming in of the life of the Son of God. One of the famous scriptures that I know you all know is where Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, The thief does not come except but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That is the 
main object of our Savior is for you to receive His life. It's the life that He gives consistently, constantly, that you receive it. You remember, and this is extremely significant in biblical history, right? In real biblical history. When Abraham came to what we know is called the promised land from the land, uh, from the Ur of the Galdeans, from Mesopotamia, from Paran. Paran means a sloping hill of a mountain, and it was between the Tigris and the Euphrates River in what today would be Iraq or Iran, somewhere out there. And that's where Abraham lived. And so he came across the river. He came across the river. He, he, he crossed over. He came from the other side, which is where the word Hebrew comes from. The word Hebrew means he who passed over. It's interesting, Passover, God passed over, you know, the, the feast of Passover and, and the original root Uh, meaning of the word Hebrew is he who passed over from the other side. So that's why they're called Abraham. Ah, He's from the other side, you know. That's like when people look at me and I've lived here for 36 years and they say, are you on holiday? Why? Because they notice my accent that I come from the other side of the channel here. You know, we live right on the channel. There's 21 miles of water in between us here in Folkestone and Calais in, in, uh, or Boulogne right on the other side, uh, France. Only 21 miles of water. And, uh, and, but my, the culture is enormously different there to here. I, I, don't, I love the French personally. I get along with them like the best, but then I love the Brits too and get along with them. But the, Abraham, when he went to the promised land, as God called him, he first went to Syria to a, to a town called Haran. And his youngest brother, Haran, died there and his father died there. And then he went from Haran, he went to this place where, where you have in John chapter 4, where Jesus sits at the, at the well of Jacob. And he is there in, in um, Abraham settled there in front of these oak trees or terebinth trees, the Bible calls them as well. And that's where he settled and that's where he began. So then later on, and described a bit later, Jacob, when he came back from uh, where he came from, he came to this exact place. And, and, and here in this place, he dug a well through about 100 feet, 100 feet of granite, which took him about six years to dig. So it was not easy to dig that well. His servants worked on it nonstop but they eventually dug up water. And then after six years, he had to move away because his da- Dana, his daughter was misused by the, by the king of that town. <clears throat> and um, uh, enormous things took place there. You would think, you know, if you left there, because from there he went to Ai or to what also later became known as the town of Bethel, and where he saw the ladder of the angels descending and ascending. You know, he, you would think, Lord, why did I go through the effort to buy that land for a hundred pieces of silver and, and dig that well and then for nothing? Well, Jesus said it that well. God knows how to create memories that shows his handiwork. 
because that town, Levi and Simeon, killed all the men in that city because of how the ruler of the town had misused their sister. And they killed all the men in that city, all of them, in, in really in a brutal circumstance. And, and Jacob didn't think that, that that punishment fitted the crime. He didn't know what was done to his daughter was wrong, but how they acted, responded to that, he felt was not just, and he wasn't happy with it. <clears throat> but God kept him. That town became later known as Sychar. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I know the name of it in the days of Jacob, but I can't remember at the moment. And anyway, that town is what actually became one of the main towns in what is called Samaria. The history that is in that place is so deeply rooted. Segregation, racism, if you want to use that word, the way the Jews talked about Samaritans, if they if they wanted to curse you as being demon-possessed or so, or being mad, they called you a Samaritan. I mean, it was a curse word for the Jews. The Samaritans had absolutely no hope that they would ever get along with the Jews. And that was absolutely not possible. When the Jews went from Judea to, to Galilee, they would go through Jordan, what today is Jordan, to get there so that they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus went through Samaria and sat by the well. And a woman met him there to gather water. And he said to her, give me, give me some water. And she said, why do you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for some water when you Jews have nothing to do with us Samaritans? Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift I have for you and who I am, you'd ask me and I would give you living water so you would never thirst again. And she said, well, give me this living water that I do not have to come here and draw. I'm giving you the short version of what happened there. And Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water I give you, you will never thirst again. And it will become in you a fountain that springs up to eternal life. You see, the life that Jesus gives is an eternal life. It's a life that keeps springing up within us and it needs to keep springing up within us so that we're constantly living in the reminder of it, the consciousness of it. And the reason I gave you a quick little history about that town there is because through that one woman, all the men in that city came out when she drank, the wa drank of the water Jesus gave her. When, he, when she received the spirit that came from Jesus in her innermost being and knew he was the Christ, she went and got all the men of the city and all the men received Jesus Christ. And they said, now we do not believe just because of what you've said, because we ourselves have heard him and we know and believe that this is the Christ, the son of the living God. And when his disciples came with food, because they had gone to get food, they said, Lord, eat. And Jesus said to his disciples, I have food to eat of which you do not yet know. You see, there is, and this is important for us to hear, there is a satisfaction that God can give that nobody gives. There is a reconciliation and restoration that nothing else can give. 
<coughs> in all the years from Jacob to that day of Jesus, nobody had been able to fix what had taken place there in Samaria. It only got worse and worse and worse. When Jesus came, the very town where all the men were murdered because of one woman now was all saved because of one woman. God is able to turn things around in a way that you and I could never if we would just drink of the water He gives, of the life that He gives. God can bring us to a place of satisfaction. Like He says in John chapter 6, verse 35, whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. Jesus brings you into such a place of satisfaction that where you've had the gnawing, arguments with your flesh, with your desires, with your lusts, with your needs, with your wants, and where you've suffered with negative attitudes, complaining and accusing and frustrated with others to not give you what your flesh needs, all of that which causes so much pain and strife in relationships and in homes goes away if you drink from the water He gives and be satisfied through the life that He gives within us. The life that He gives, He gives consistently and constantly. And it keeps springing up within us with this consciousness of eternal life. And in that life is the fullness of joy. And in that life is total satisfaction. And in that life is perfect communion with the Father and fellowship in perfect righteousness, peace and joy through the Holy Spirit. In that life, in that life, we have boldness to draw near to the throne of grace and to receive all that we need for every situation in, the, in, in this world, in this life. We are now living as He lives. The life that He gives, my friends, is a life that is eternal. It's sinless. It's holy. It's blameless. And as that life consistently takes over in you where you begin to live as He lives, you are in the consciousness of what it means to have absolute access to the Father and His great love for you. It's amazing. I am so grateful for the life that He gives. The Apostle Paul, and I close with this, says in Galatians 2.20, the life which I now live is the life of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And the life that He gives, He gives like breathing in, like the beating of your heart. It keeps coming into you and you live because He lives. He is your life who gives His life into you, who maintains it and perfects it in you. What a wonderful Savior we have in Jesus. Amen. Have a good day.